Hi, I'm your host, Adam. This is my co-host slash manservant, Wyatt D. Harris, and welcome to Not Safe for Adam. Here, we are about to discuss, are there politics in mainstream gaming? Tell me, Wyatt. Are there? Yeah. <laughs> There's a few. Fantastic. We can finish the, we can finish the podcast right here. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. It's been one minute. All right. So, <laughs> yes. Yes, we've been storyboarding this. Yes. Games are right. about making money and telling stories. You can't just go straight to the point. We have to I build can't. up to it. What am I supposed to do? We're supposed to build up to it. Okay, well, I mean, that was Wait, not the Okay, so I'm sorry that my co-host is just screwed up the entire podcast. We have to we have to delete the channel. Okay. Um. So instead, of, now they gotta no. You know what? This works out for us because now they have a sneak peek of what our what our point is. Now they want to know. Now they're drawn in. They want to know the central dogma we've created. Yeah, I want to. All right. Well, let's talk about the politics of mainstream gaming. Let's talk about why you think they are, or why you think that is, instead of just going straight to the point. Okay. So let's let's uh, let's discuss about how we arrived to that conclusion. So I remember we were well as we were storyboarding this, we were deciding on whether or not games are related, or are all games stories. Answer that first. Uh, yeah, I think the general consensus from I mean I'm I'm kind of just peeling this off from my experiences, but yes, I think all games have a story at their basis. Um, yeah, and you, as we're storing this, you brought up chess. Yeah, yeah. And you initially you don't think of chess as having a story. It's just a bunch of pieces moving. It doesn't have any cutscenes or nothing. So, but once you start thinking about it a little bit deeper, there is a story behind it. You want to discuss that? Yeah. So you make me sound like a little five-year-old. Hey, buddy, you want to discuss chess? <laughs> okay, essentially, chess, I was, as you, think, you think about it, you've got all these pieces. You've, you've got a hierarchy. You've got all the pawns in the front row. They're, they're the, the weakest. They're ready to die first. And, and you've got the royalty in the back. You've got the king, the queen, the bishops. They don't want to die. They're in the back. But essentially, you, you've got you've got a lot of things. You, you've got the most powerful piece is the queen. She can do whatever she wants, but she gets taken down, and you lose a powerful part of your your whole society. Essentially, is you have you have two societies competing for each other. But you also have no, the, because if you think about, hang on, let me let me go off a little tangent. The original chess was invented uh, back in some, I believe it was some African country, right? Because, you know, they didn't want to, I can't believe I'm saying this, the bourgeoisie did not want to kill their soldiers. And so they were trying to sell this between kings themselves. And they were, and they were uh, fighting through mental challenges instead of just throwing bodies at each other. And so that's the story that's happening within chess. It's the two kingdoms competing with each other. Those pawns are soldiers as well. Pawns are pawns. Yeah, it, it's, feudal, yeah. it's feudalistic society. Mm-hmm. And so 
you can extend that reasoning of every game having a story to basically anything. Battleship is pretty obvious, but you know, in in modern gaming where you have cutscenes and you have actual storytelling, the, the story, the game is telling you what is happening. You know, and so that's just it's more in your face than chess, but it is still a story. Exactly. We're we're, we're we're based on these these like fundamental games like chess. It's just pieces moving on a board, and we've transitioned all this time. We've they've evolved. They're getting closer and closer to looking like movies, and, and you just have these evolving storytelling elements that you can play with. And it's it's important to note that just a game is. A piece of media like any other piece of media. Exactly. Games are like movies. Movies are like books. Movies and books are like songs, and it—they're all related. They're all forms of entertainment and media, and forms of public opinion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, as stories often are, you know, they are all pretty much political. If you think of many you can think of many many examples of movies and books and songs and games all being political and that's that's now we get to the point Wyatt about how games are about making money and telling stories and both of those will automatically inflict political bias upon themselves because in in essence all games are stories and stories are just deeply interwined with politics I believe you pulled up the point about how it's uh, impossible to tell a good story without any sense of politics in it, isn't it? Isn't that your point? Uh, I think what I was trying to say was that it's impossible... Yeah, exactly. It's impossible to tell a story without politics or, or some sort of political opinion. Because, you know, at the basis, politics is opinions. It's mm-hmm. it's what it, politics is, the action we take from those opinions. Any good story will have a protagonist and an antagonist, and the antagonist is at least somewhat related or grounded in real life. So is the protagonist. Therefore, you can kind of merge the reality of the book and the reality of real life together into well what you think that is it might be subconscious but you know any form of media will influence you conscious or not okay well i think i think we've gone too far into the story aspect video games let's talk you want to go into the economic aspect well no i don't think we should do that I think, uh, yeah, we should push the next point. Uh, representation. Represent. Okay, yeah, sure. So, as we were storyboarding this, we came up with two examples of rep- diverse representation within video games. And some of them are significantly better than others. And so, if you take some fairly recent games like Overwatch and Battlefield 5 and compare them to each other you start to notice that there are 
a lot of different ways to introduce diversity into your story and that can drastically affect how well your game does or how well it does in the markets you know exactly so we we chose these because one has a very bad introduction and and how they pulled it off of including diversity and the other had a good one and uh essentially what i was talking about was uh, Battlefield 5, which is a semi-realistic shooter based in the uh, in the era of World War II. So, mm-hmm. what had happened when during the release, there was heavy, heavy, like a lot of female representation, and that's oh yeah, that's not a bad thing in any facet, in any way. That's never that's never a bad thing, especially because. I mean, you think about video games before that, there's there's always heavy male representation in, in every aspect of media. But that's not the point. Yeah, so that's because I'm changed every now and then. Yeah, exactly. But when when you introduce change into like a into this environment where it's it's World War Two, there's there's not a lot of women out in the battlefield. That's just a fact. Yeah. I don't my opinion on that is that you know, it's it's a work of fiction. Battlefield Five. It's a video game. It's not realistic. I. Yeah. yeah okay. They kind of get to do what they want with it. Yeah, exactly. It's their own interpretation. And that's a that's a perfectly fine reason. Of, that's a perfectly fine way of thinking. You know, it's it's a work of fiction. The storytellers get to tell the story how they want. But you know, not everyone follows that line of thought or that line of reasoning and it's just a, it's just a fact that not everyone thinks the same way and so th- I think that's heavily influenced how well Battlefield 5 is done because it's flopped compared to every other Battlefield game it, it made a it made a decent amount of money but it was not a, a commercial success like its predecessors yeah and so on the other spectrum of that we chose Overwatch because they've added character sense and they've changed lore and whatnot. But in the very first comics that they post that they released, in the very first characters they released, it was almost immediately shown that one of the main characters, Tracer, was in a lesbian relationship, and there was no, there was no. It's all fantasy, Overwatch, you know? So they get to tell it what they want, and no one can argue with them because it's all fantasy. Yeah, it's their artistic... <laughs> yeah, it's their artistic vision. They, they yeah, brought up this... building character. a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's building a character. It's not taking anything away. It's not changing anything. It's just more detail. And I think that's perfect. You know, it's it's not like forcing anything. It's not changing any historical fact that's grounded in real life it's just i i think that this is a fantastic way to introduce characters from the very start describe them and
Uh, sorry for this, but uh, I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I believe I was talking about how introducing a character's character traits from the very beginning is the best way to properly represent diversity within games or yes. any okay. media. I'm sorry, I want to interject because I feel like a lot of people, their argument for the over-female representation, not over, just female representation in Battlefield Five was because of marketing. They want, the Battlefield wanted to put females in this power role in order to say, oh, we're a, prog- we're a progressive company. We're, we're gonna, we're just, we're doing these things, but people were like, you're doing this because you want money. And it's a whole it's a whole debacle. Well, okay, I remember seeing I remember seeing this uh, infographic about how you know, like forty eight percent of gamers are girls, and not, not to sound sexist or anything, but I highly doubt that. I think it's all mobile gamers. I think I think that's the catch. Console and PC gamers, I do not believe. That yeah, it, that's weird. that's always been a problem. And, and, and uh, I mean, that's just a problem in general. It's the male majority. Yeah. Okay. And so bring it back to your point. Uh, why would they be doing it for money if it's not going to make money? Because you're trying to, you're trying to advertise, to advertise it to girls by including girl characters of power, that's not, right? That's not exactly it. If they're not, it's maybe not? they're not trying to advertise to women by adding women that might not be their goal but advertising themselves as a company that is progressive okay that that makes more sense yeah it could also just be in there's a whole plethora of reasons why and why not they could have and could not have done it uh, and i it's it's it was years ago i Whatever, you know. Okay, just just move on. Yeah. What's All right. The next so thing you do? we were talking. So that was about representation and proper introduction of diversity. And so I think it's about time that we move on to: Is there such a thing as political agenda within games or hell media, even any kind? And I want to say, I don't. I don't want to believe so. I think that political, the definition of political agenda and its inclusion in most people's arguments against games nowadays is that they are just a strawman argument made to prevent LGBTQ plus characters from being introduced or people of color or women. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a thing where it's trying to reduce the effect of change yeah exactly because i think what we try to, what 
the the general consensus of a public agenda the definition is it's just a list of very important things that a certain like a lot of people put it to game companies have this political agenda that they want to pull off and essentially yeah. people use this the, the the idea of a political agenda as a scapegoat or a straw man argument and they use it and they're like oh you just you just want to put these characters in there because they fit to your political agenda of being inclusive and it's like I don't think that's that's not a really necessary in this argument. That's not necessary yeah. because if you include characters that are that are different from our stagnant, bland, normal American dream, like American characters, white, uh, mm-hmm. straight, cis, straight white, cis. yeah. And if you if you, there's characters that are different, like that's not a political agenda. That's just including. People. That's just bringing something new to the table. Exactly. And it's not even like it's new. Yeah, I mean, the LGBTQ scene has existed for centuries, for millennia. Well, no, because humans aren't millennia old. But it's existed for a long time, a lot longer than either of you, either of us has been alive. And, you know, I, you might not have heard about it until somewhat recently and it was only 2015 where uh gay people were allowed to marry and uh you know it's it's just it's been around and to think that it's just something new and that it's just gonna die out because it's a new hot topic is flawed thinking yep exactly that's that's the key point there you don't need to define it as a political agenda if it's just normal in, in like quotations. Because being normal is mm-hmm. being different. Yeah. Being normal is subjective to my purviews. <laughs> okay. All right. What's 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 next on the plate? I believe our, we've I believe we're hitting most of our points. Okay. That's, right now we're that's kind of good. we're kind of a, we're, we're in a good stride right now. Uh, okay, here's something. <sighs> Studios and publishers are pretty... It's been a tumultuous relationship between the two uh, for many, many different studios and publishers, you know? It, games are moneymakers foremost, storytellers secondly, and forms of entertainment third. And, you know, well, that's, so that's, publishers that's the view of some publishers. Some pu- there's like publishers that want money, and there's publishers that want gameplay. And it's, it's... the AAA publishers are all money, money, money. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Activision, Blizzard, they all make poor choices for the game, but in they make they try to make good choices for the for the market, but. You know they're tied in, so because I yeah, feel like they, they don't have, roll. They have stockholders that. they need to think about, and and they don't have time to think about being new or different. They just it's just pump out more same game, with a little bit different graphics, a little bit different weapons. It's getting to the point of repetition where I think there's going to be some major changes within the economy, the gaming economy, 
<laughs> in the next 10 years. Because I, br- I bring up Destiny 2 a lot in my p- private life because I like it. But, why? did you know that uh, the publisher Activision owned it, Bungie, which is the studio that made the game for a long time? You know, the Activision owned Bungie when they made Halo, when they made their first Destiny. It's been a uh, it's been a pretty long standing relationship, but Bungie was getting so fed up because Activision was making horrible choices for the game that they eventually decided to split and they kept their IPs. So now Bungie can go back and fix what they what they believe they did wrong, like including any well Bungie games aren't really political, but it's it's a thing where. They are setting a precedent for people being able, or for studios being able to release themselves from their publishers in order to do better for the game, not so much for the market. Mm. Do you have any more points you want to bring up? I think that just about hits it. So, if we wanted to do a quick overview. Yeah. All right. Have, yeah, let's do it over again. Yeah, we have our our main theme, our central dogma, our our thesis. Hit it. All right. Games are about making money and telling stories. Both of those will automatically inflict political bias upon themselves. And then we went over introduction of diversity and how it can be. Uh, a tool used to make a company look good or it could just be a storytelling element. Yeah. And then some games do well in the market because of this. Some games don't do well in the market because of this. And it's entirely subjective to, I would say, the audience they're striving for and how well they do it. Mm. Yeah. And the next point that we made was that there is not really a thing about political agendas in games or media at all. It's a straw man argument made in order to prevent LGBTQ characters or people of color or women from being represented in video games. Just anything different. Anything different from the the norm. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't forget Norman quotation marks. Yeah, okay. We'll do that. And we also uh, we also discussed how all games are stories, and all it, it could be something as simple as chess, or well, not checkers. Checkers is yeah, checkers. They they go to the end. They become king. Whatever. That's, that's a right. story for another day. You can you can find a story if you look hard enough in every game. All right, and we also talked about how the rift between publishers and studios might become larger in the coming years, and how what that means for games is that they might be able to do more what they want and make better stories, and basically they can change every single point that we just talked about if they continue on that this route that they're on right now. And one final question before we end this off. Why? 
what are your views on the legitimacy of the state of Israel? Well, I was think 